What you're about to hear is a paid sponsorship brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? I know a lot of people that are going through a rough time right now for all different reasons, and they don't think they can get through. I've had issues in my life where I didn't know how I was going to overcome certain obstacles. Well, BetterHelp is out there for you. And BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com Bob. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bob. BetterHelp dot com slash Bob. Thank you. Hey, let's talk about diamonds. Selecting a diamond for an engagement ring is not an everyday experience. It's an important purchase, and at Shane Company, we make it informative and fun. And honestly, it's easy. Cut, color, clarity, and carat weight are important. They're your four C's. But here's the deal. At Shane Company, we won't just tell you our diamonds are more beautiful. We'll show you. Come in to compare a Shane Company diamond side-by-side -side with a non-Shane Company diamond in the same grade. You'll see for yourself that our diamond has more beauty and sparkle. You'll be blown away when you see that two diamonds in the exact same grade can look so different. Our diamond experts examine each diamond individually and hand-select each diamond for its beauty. Whether you're shopping in person or online, we have the same rigorous selection process for all the diamonds we sell. Visit us today. You'll have the confidence to pick the diamond that's perfect for you. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business. Shane Company and Shaneco.com. Hello, my dark darlings. We're in the thick of summer, and with this warm weather, people are out and about after a year of staying indoors. Which means the ghosts and spirits are also out to play, too. We have a new series of fan-submitted encounters with evil entities, tales of ancient folklore, and even small-town murder. Check out our new stories every Tuesday by subscribing to the Something Scary podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, dear people. It is, uh, it's Bob. It is Bob the Saget here, and this is Bob Saget's here for you. I think you don't want to listen to this thing if you're under 15, although it's an honest uh, podcast episode with Ms. Pat, and I have fallen in love with her. I I thought I met her, but I never had. And I caught up on all of her stuff. Simply, that's one of the beauties of doing this podcast. I get to find out somebody that I know that I'm, I find appealing and hilarious and wonderful. Her book, Rabbit, uh, it, was, uh, it won the NAACP Award for Outstanding Literary Work. It's by Day Street Books. And it really is incredibly honest and, and brutal and how she got through life as a young girl um, with horrible stuff happening and found humor and her strength and tenacity. And she's hilarious. She is just, I, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, I got a fan crush, but also a stand up syncopato 
That's, I believe, Spanish or Italian. You tell me. I don't know nothing. But uh, this new show, The Ms. Pat Show, premieres just in a couple days, um, August 12th, on BET+. Plus. It's streaming. And it's done. Uh, it's produced by Lee Daniels, who was with it from the beginning. It took her five years to get the damn thing done. So you want to see this show. I watched the pilot. It's just killer. It's so real. It makes you feel like the shows that you love, but it's even uh, more real for 2021. So it's the Ms. Pat show, and it's on BET Plus, and it it uh, it premieres August 12th. So get on it. Also, the Pat Down with Ms. Pat comes out every Tuesday. It's her podcast, and uh, go see her. She's on tour, and what you want to do for that is go to mspatcomedy.com. That's uh, M-S-P-A-T comedy.com. That's where you can catch her out because she lives for stand-up. And you know what that means. When a comic is motivated to do stand-up, you want to see that comedian. And she is talking from her gut, and she is funny as hell. And she's just a positive, wonderful person, as you're about to hear or possibly see. Here is somebody so fucking awesome again 15 and under i would say don't listen this is uh unless you want to learn something because she's really cool and you don't give a shit about words uh because they're just words uh here she is uh, an amazing person uh ms pat I am so excited to meet you. I thought we met before, but we did not. Well, I'm a big fan. Oh. We were watching this show. <laughs> you have no idea. But I, I watched your pilot last night, and I, I've known about you forever because we frequented a lot of the same places, comedy clubs over the years in different places. But that pilot is, it's a vision. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And the pilot is the hardest thing to make when you're doing a sitcom, I hear. Did you do the pilot first and then were you pre-sold because you're so top heavy with talent on this thing, right? No, we didn't do the pilot first. We sold. We didn't even have a strip. I sold an idea to Fox. So I went through two writers, three writers. The third writer was able to nail it for me. So it's been five years. That's what people don't know is how long this shit takes. It takes a long fucking time. <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't stop. And who, so who's the writer that you wrote it with? I, watch, I just watched it. I should know the name. His name is Jordan e. Cooper. So I went through two writers, th- three writers. He was the third one. And, you know, it's, when you're doing a show about somebody, especially a comedian, um, the, I learned this. The comedian really needs to drive their voice. Because if not, those writers can take you and make you into anything. A cupcake, a frisbee. You, you'll never be your original self. I was a cupcake I, for eight years. <laughs> and then another six. They love to cupcake me. Well, well, you know, I was trying to keep them. I was trying to stay original. I was trying to stay me. I, I, I used to tell them I'm not Claire Huxable. I'm not. The, I don't want to be the typical mom. 
this mom is a convicted felon. She has a background. And like, no, 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 no. That's not how they want to see black women. I'm like, well, why not? I've been to jail. I used to traffic cocaine. Stop trying to make me out. I don't cook in my real life. The only thing I know how to cook is turn cocaine into crack. I This is a Chick-fil-A body. Okay? Now you learned that at 15? You were 15. cooking? Right. And you yeah, got was, two kids then and not something you were planning on, right? No, all I say every night on stage, I was I, all I wanted was a cabbage patch kid with a birth certificate. But an old dude. <laughs> those things are old, fucked up looking though, aren't they? They put those, dim, <laughs> those dimples in that round head, that cloth shit. That scared me. But hey, they was popular back in the early 80s. If you had yeah. a cabbage patch kid, that means your mom cared about you. So... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I um I wasn't trying to get pregnant, but I just happened to get pregnant. And, you know, and I'm a teenage mom. Even I talk about it in the show. I wanted to stay true to who I was. And this last writer that came along named Jordan Cooper. We had the same idea. And did the unbelievably brilliant and talented Lee Daniels, was Lee attached from the very beginning? Oh, my God. I think I cried on Lee's shoulder so many nights. Yes, he was attached. He never gave up. And so was Brian Grazer. Brian Grazer. Mm-hmm. You've got the top of the game, and rightfully so. I watched this show, and I went. And I know why Norman Lear, who's 99 right now, he just turned 99, mm-hmm. who called you, right? Because this show is envisioned. Yes, he called me. Uh, I'm a fan, and it's and the the guy who helped me create it is such a big Norman Lear fan. So when he called, I couldn't believe it. And he watched the pilot, and he was like, "Everything you wanted to, you said I wanted to say in the '70s, but they wouldn't let me." Exactly. And he he really enjoyed the show, and that meant a lot to us because you know this is my first time, and this is his first show, Jordan e. Cooper first show, and you know we two kids in Hollywood really don't know what the fuck we're doing. We just riding on a dream. We're fighting to keep to keep what we want. I mean, it's amazing how people come in and just twist your idea. No, this is what you want. I'm like, no, this is what I want. I know it works. Do you want originality or you want the same thing? So to see Norman Lear says, you know, you guys did a great job. That meant a lot to the both of us. Well, you're, I'm telling you, when I see you, I'll put five masks on. I'm going to hug the hell out of you (laughs) because I've fallen in love with you because I knew you were my guest. I was already a fan. I already I saw you on Joe Rogan and you're killing me because it's all real and it all comes from all the pain people go through at a, at about as hard as a life can be. You got dealt it. Yeah. And then you found the humor. I mean, you know, your book Rabbit. I was just telling everybody in the intro that it won the NAACP award for outstanding literary work. And I was I couldn't read the whole thing, but I went through and geez, can you. I, I don't want you to make have to tell the same story because you're going to be doing so much press telling the same story. Yeah. But is there a way you can say it without me telling you what you went through? <laughs> I just I said quit. Dilt, uh, dilt, uh, I dealt crack. Got shot a few times. Teenage mom went through a lot of shit. But in the end, I'm still smiling. And that's what I try to tell people on stage every night. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. I don't dwell on anything I don't have control over. So what am I laughing at? You know, what I've been through, what I was born into. It's all about going forward. I don't blame nobody for what I went through. I don't blame God for the family that I was born into. I look towards the future. Hey, it's about what am I doing now? Okay, I know what I was dealt, but what am I doing with this now? 
what I'm doing with it now, I'm living. And I'm living my best life. I mean, I'm a, I have an eighth grade education, been shy, had two kids by a married man. But if you come to my house, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it unless I tell you. Right. Well, you told everybody. <laughs> I try because I want people to laugh. I tell people on South, I want you to take the darkest shit. Right. And when you can laugh at it, you got control of it. I don't care if it's somebody stuck their thumb up your ass. Laugh at the part that didn't go in. That means they was cheated. <laughs> well, that's why people need manicures. That's the only reason. <laughs> and you could check the weather, I think, if you hold it up in the wind. You're so fucking funny. Pardon my French, but that's how you just... I I, I tell every, that everybody should see you live. I've been watching everything. Um, and Thank you. You're so beautiful of the honesty, but you don't... You are... Uh, uh, you're a steam engine. You don't stop with the jokes, but you get serious too, which is quite an art. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I, I mean, we, I'm up there telling dark stories and you know, I can't stand when an audience go, Oh, what are you owing for? You know who you came to see. I don't need, and I, you know, especially with, let's keep it real. I'm a black girl, a black woman in America. And you know, black men's and men's can go through all kinds of shit. But when a woman says she's been molested, been shot, the audience immediately want to say, Oh, and I say, Hey, white people, y'all can't adopt me. I'm doing good. I've got on an 800 goddamn dollar wig. I'm doing good. Look at me. I'm fat as fuck. I eat so much Chick-fil-A. I need to stop. So you can't adopt me. You should have voted Democrat in 82 if you really wanted to help me out. But they didn't want to give away all the free shit. So I just have to, I have to break my audience down and say, stop it. I don't need your pity. I'm good. Because we all been through something. But we all going to sit here and laugh at the bullshit that I've been through and remember the bullshit that you've been through because you don't have the mic tonight. I, You know... I, I've always said off color stuff and, and not as much, I guess. Well, I still do. And people will boo with their moan. I go, you know what? Fuck you. You didn't try to think of something funny, <laughs> but I'm just trying to bring love to people too. And you are such an example of going through just shit. I'm watching the sitcom and you said in it that you, you shot somebody. Now, is that accurate? Cause you got a little uh, bit my of a kid's father's yeah, my kid's father shot me in the back of the head and another guy shot me in a titty. And then after my kid's father shot me in the back of the head and I feel like, well, he shot me. I need to shoot him back. So I shot him back. Where'd you shoot him? In the ankle. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't want to hurt him. <laughs> but he shot me in the head. Well, I just, he, was, he, had so, he had so many holes. I was trying to slow him down. <laughs> <laughs> shooting in the back of the head did that go into your brain what the hell no it just cracked my skull just and, you know, yeah it just cracked my i knew from that day i was crazy as hell so yeah when i take off my wig i got a nice little missing hair back there <laughs> well that's something for but but you're a married woman i've been married now for about 28 years yeah I'm oh, married so now. you so there aren't going to be any guys with fetishes out there going oh i want to check out that that hole in the back of the head. They can't, uh, they, they can't have none of that. Only your husband, right? Uh, uh, no, not my husband either. They ask all the time. Cause I, I lost my nipple too. I, I got shot in the titty. Right. You know, if you heard me tell me that story. So now Miss Pat just showed me your nipple. I see you some money. I'm like, uh, no, you clown. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not like starfish. They don't grow back. Right. Uh, well, that one just damaged. No, they don't grow back. <laughs> 
I'm so sorry this happened to you. Uh, and you don't want that, but that's how I feel. I'm great. I'm happy. You know, I've, I've um, you know, I could be like everybody else in my family where, you know, I'm down and out and doing drugs and other stuff like that. I tell people I'm happy. You know, look at me. I got an eighth grade education. My daughter just got her bachelor degree. And um, I don't even know what the fuck she went to school for, to be honest. With you. I ain't even fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> the girl, she just keep getting degrees. I said, can you stay the fuck out of school? <laughs> But she just graduated college for the second time. You know, my whole goal in life was just to see my kids do something that I didn't get to do, which was graduate high school. And I used to tell them, you don't owe me shit but a high school diploma. That's why I'm working so hard. Stay out of jail and a high school diploma. And all of them did it. And, you know, my son is in school for nursing now. I have three grandkids, two ugly, one cute. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm happy. Do you have pictures? Can you hold up pictures of the ugly ones? Uh. I'm going to have to find him on. on. No, I don't want to do that to you. No, that'd be rude. That'd be rude. I was just, sorry. He my favorite one too. He's so damn right. bad. Right. He, but he's a, he's, he looked just like his daddy when he was born. I used to tell people when my son was born, he was so ugly. And I think it because I sold crack and he picked up the faces from the crackhead. So I would keep a, fa- a blanket in his face. And people are like, what's that? I said, oh, he Muslim. So until he was about three years old, I kept a blanket in his face. But he was so, uh, what probably two. Cause he was in a stroller. He was so ugly. He had real big eyes. He looked like he smoked dope and he had real tight hair and it started back here behind his ears. So he was not cute at all. Did he grow, he had in- to grow into his forehead? He had to grow into his eyes and he looked, he looked a lot better now. He's a good looking kid now, right? Yeah. But I think he looked like a lot of the people I sold crack to a mixture. Now there wasn't crack in his blood system when he was born. Was that in his DNA? No, uh-uh, I didn't no, do drugs. No, because you I didn't do did. drugs. No, but I think the crackheads rubbed off on me because I served so many of them, you know, and so I think he just took on, one, I guess, the ugliest crackhead. Maybe somebody came through that with big eyes one night, and bam, that's what my baby came out looking like. <laughs> but I kept, a, I kept a blanket in his face for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you're doing your stand-up on tour, do you – uh, you you got this thing with crack babies, right? You it, you riff on it, right? Or was that just on Joe Rogan that you went you went nutty nuts? It was so great. Uh, well, I call my fan base my crack babies because okay. what, so that's but actually I call I have custody of my niece four kids and I call them my crack babies. This is my third set of kids I've raised because the parents was on crack. So I just call them crack babies, and somehow a crack baby spilled over into my fan base on Facebook. So the whole Facebook page is Miss Pat Crack Baby. So if you're a fan, if you're a real down hard fan, you consider the crack baby. But I've raised three sets of crack babies. I have four kids at the house now who was my niece kids and I took custody seven years ago. So you had the two when you were 15 and then four more starting at 17, right? Uh, yeah, that was with my sister kids. But before I got those, when I when I was selling drugs, I had a sister-in-law that was on drugs. So I had her two kids. I had her three girls. So when I got her three girls, I raised them and we all close in age. And then I got my custody of my sister, four kids. And then that's when I got married. So I take on those four, three, two of those girls and my sister, four kids into a relationship. I started with my husband, but they was almost grown. But the babies, my sister kids was like eight months was the youngest baby. So you got 10 kids? Eight Not kids. anymore. They're all grown now. I just got okay. four. Got I have it. four now. 
So your husband must be a saint. Uh, they say he is. <laughs> <laughs> so the show is so true. It it is. I'm just telling you. It ha- it has the resonance of all the shows that Norman Lear made. It has the beginnings of what Roseanne wanted to do, her trailer park life. But it has a reality to it that we haven't seen. Now, how do you get that language passed on BET? How did the- how is this happening? Well, it's on a streaming. It's on BET Plus, and okay. the language. Was when we was originally on on Fox, and when the new writer came in, he was like, "Yeah, she would be so much better on streaming." So they was like, "Let's move her to streaming where she can be real." And so that's how Hulu shot the pilot because Hulu picked it up from Fox and shot the pilot when we wanted to put it on streaming. See, I see this, but I just see BET. I didn't see there's a plus right there. I never yeah, noticed. Plus. That's so damn cool. That's the future. The future is you find what you want to watch. I cannot recommend this show highly. Did you cry when you finished shooting it? When you when you watch and then when you watched it, did it hit you deep? It's, it still haven't hit me. You know, to me, my life has always been such a fast pace. It's like work, and people are like, oh my god, are you gonna take time to celebrate? And I was like, hey, that's done. I gotta work on the next thing. I gotta work on the next thing. I gotta right. work on the next thing. So you know, I don't get caught up in the hype because one, the, the one, the, the one thing about TV, and we're both comedian. Once you shoot it and you do it, it's not yours. Your name is on it, but that's that network shit. That ain't Miss. This say to Miss Pat show, but Miss Pat don't own that shit. I own what I do on stage. That's what I can control. I can't control. If they don't want to use a picture that I like, they don't have to use that picture because they spend all that money. Yeah, so, that's simple renegotiation. Four years from now, this, this is going to be a different conversation because my prediction, and knock on, I'm knocking on wood, even though I'm not that superstitious because I think, you know, your talent and what you've been through and how funny you are. I'm telling you, you'll be able to say, I want, you know, 90% of my pictures. I want to be able to approve and you'll be an owner and everybody's just going to go, oh, what the hell, you know, Lee and Brian will do whatever. Well, this is my first season too. So, I mean, they gave us a lot of control, but in reality, when they say, uh, we're not picking you back up, when they're not picking me back up. So this is, that's what I mean by this is their shit. I control what's on stage. So that's what I focus on making as best as I can. You know, I, I leave I leave from shoot. I go straight to the stage because when TV and all of that other shit and you ain't hot no more, I've, I'm going to always be a comedian. And we can always come back to being a comedian. We speak the same language. And I'm on tour now more than ever with more to say than ever because of what we're yeah. all, what we've gone through. And so you had to shoot during the whole shutdown, right? COVID, yeah, we had to shoot. Oh, it was so damn hot. Uh, we 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 had a, we had an audience, but they were called extras. But you could have as many as you would like with the pilot. We was in front of two hundred and fifty people in L.A. We shot here in Atlanta, and I think the most we could have is 30, 40 people, and they was considered extras. So you had to pay them to come in, and it helped out a lot since it's been a uh, single cam. Mm-hmm. A multicam, it helped out a lot because I'm a comedian. So it drives, you know, comedy drives us. You know, laughters make us move move a certain type of way. But it was hard doing COVID. It really was. Do you do it? It looks to me like you do it in the old Norman Lear style. You do it like a play and then you go back for pickups for stuff you need. Exactly. Because the guy who co-wrote it, 
he uh, he's a playwright. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, he's a playwright. That's what Sanford and Son, that's what All in the Family, that's what the Jeffersons. I went and saw him when I was a teenager. I saw them getting made. Really? Really. And they would do two All in the Families back-to-back, 90 minutes an episode. I stayed one night to watch it twice to see how they do it. I wasn't going to be a comedian or anything. But it's so great the way it's done. It feels so... It's just kind of a perfect show. This thing, everybody needs to watch this show and fall in love with it because you deserve to have like an eight, nine-year run out of this thing. <laughs> I fucking love it. I'm, I'm not blowing smoke because I don't know where to blow it anymore. <laughs> well, and you know, one of the things we talk about, we talk about, I know you only saw the pilot, but we really touch on real conversation and real issues because I really did move from uh, a middle-class black neighborhood to all white neighborhood. And I had never lived around white people like that before. And it was a culture shock for me. So that's why you see a lot of the stuff in the pilot, you know, white people bringing over items. We don't do that shit in black neighborhood. You know, I tell people, I say the rule to a black neighborhood, you show up with a cake, you trying to fuck my husband, bitch. What are you doing with this cake? <laughs> and that was a so that, shitty cake. Oh, I don't want to spoil the alert, the whole pilot, but that, that wasn't a cake. <laughs> no, that was, we switched it to another, uh, we switched it to another item that another white lady brought me that I thought was fucking, was more funny, but she actually knocked on my door with a cake. It was like, you know, I hope you, I hope you're happy. And that's why in the pilot, you hear my daughter say, oh, she just don't want you to break in the house. Cause I called my black girlfriend who already lived in a white neighborhood for years. And I was like, this bitch brought me a cake. And she's like, girl, she just don't want you to break in the house. Eat it. It's going to be good. And it was, it was so fucking good. This is why a show's so fucking good because it's all based on everything. I knew that stuff that you were saying came out of your mouth in your life. Well, the whole first season is a is an album called Rabbit Out There. And it's, it, it, I was really blown away how he could just take what I created as comedy and just threw it into dialogue and we turned them into episodes. You know, I have a gay daughter and we did the whole coming out gay from what I thought, how I really felt when I, you know, because I've been in prison, how I really felt when my daughter came out and was gay. I was ignorant as hell. And so it, it shows that, but through the episodes, it also show you how I grow because how I love my child, no matter what she choose to do with her mouth. How, how old is she now? She's 34. And you love her to death, right? Oh, I tell her, I told, I told her, I said, if you eat it like a real daddy, do you are a hero. <laughs> <laughs> eat it like it real. Because that would mean you don't want non-real, uh, I, I have to say pussy. I mean, that's the right word. That's not a, that's the offensive. Right, word. right. Not to me. Thank you. Because I've been in so much trouble over the years. You know, you know, I, I tell people, I say, if, if, if words offend you, then like they posted me on Netflix and I talked about how my granddaughter said, Grandmama, my mama said, you get on her motherfucking nerve. I said, well, your mama get on my motherfucking nerve. That's why my son ain't going to marry your mama. But that was the conversation between me and my granddaughter. What type of grandma are you? I was like, bitch, what type of grandma are you? You probably take frozen cucumbers in your ass. Am I judging you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm judging you. Why do they have to be frozen? Don't they just have to be not ripe? Oh, no. (laughs) They'll break off if they ain't frozen. (laughs) The fact that you know that. Does that mean I don't want to get personal, but have I you, ain't never used no cucumber? Okay, frozen cucumber. Yeah, I didn't think. 
I mean, I, I sit like... around a black beauty salon and I hear them talk. <laughs> you do mention cucumbers in the pilot too, I believe. Is there a beauty rest type of moment? Is there some kind of treatment or something? do you mention cucumbers or am I date my dreaming? No, I mentioned Chick-fil-A in, in the pilot. Okay. Damn. Thought I was right with something. Everybody is so good in the cast. That's what, you know, when we was casting, because I had never acted before. And that's the I, other thing. Your acting is fucking great. <laughs> well, Fox sent me to act in private lessons for two years on top of De- Debbie Allen, Jordan Cooper, and the whole producing team. Mm. We, they really put a good cast around me. Mm-hmm. And that cast was able to lift me up. You know, I never one felt like they was out acting me. I just felt like we was a family. There was never no competition between any of us. Again, I just felt like we was a family. And if I didn't do something right, I, I mean, I'm the type of person I want to learn. I didn't have a problem with them coming over, helping me. And I used to tell them, hey, I'm the star of this show. But at the end of the day, this is all of our show. And we all got to make it work together. Fuck with that call sheet first. Come first. I don't care about who first on the call sheet. I give a fuck if my check clear. Y'all can take these titles and stick them in y'all ass, okay? <laughs> to me, I'm just like y'all. <laughs> and the that's why got my name on it. That's the ensemble. That's what's so great. Your husband is great. I won't give away the the whole uh, callback uh, punchline blow they call it or whatever for the end of the show. I can't reveal it because it has to do with a thing that was uh, that was posted on uh, on Snapchat. I can't give it away, but it's hilarious. It's just pure comedy. Thank you. Thank and you got you. you got the A team. I mean, Lee Daniels has directed some of the best movies, produced some of the greatest movies and shows. And Brian Grazier is just talk about smart and just gets it. And then you got Debbie Allen shooting the thing. Did she direct a lot of them? No, she was going to until COVID hit. You know, because she's on Grey's Anatomy. But right. I remember when when. The, they called the guy who created the show with me. They call him uh, the dreamer because he's 25 years old and he asked for shit. I'd be like, dude, this is your first year. Calm the fuck down. But, you know, I've always, my third grade teacher always said the dumbest question is the question I'd ask. And you see it in this kid because he asked for anything. And we had Lee Daniel House when they trying to think of who can direct. He said, well, Lee, what do you think about Debbie Allen? I was like, Debbie Allen? Debbie Allen going to direct this shit? We cussing in it? And he was like, well, let's just ask. And Lee gave her the pilot and she called back while we were still sitting. She said, I want to direct this shit. And literally, you know, you have to interview everybody for a directing job. But I'm big on picking up on spirits. Your spirit let me know how honest you is and if you're faking it. If your spirit rocks me, I get the fuck on. So me and him jumped in on a plane, flew to Atlanta while she was shooting a movie with Dolly Partner. Nobody knew it. And we met Debbie Allen. And I walked away and I said, that's the director. And she came in there. She picked the color scheme. She just made it black. She made it African-American. She chose the right items, the right arts. You know, she just made it feel home. Yeah. I mean, she, she literally dropped this black family in this all white conservative neighborhood. And you can't tell until the, until the doorbell ring. No. Well, they mentioned it a little bit, but I didn't realize it. And that's what's it's so... I mean, I can't wait to watch this whole thing. How many have you shot? How many did you do? It was 10 episodes. It's perfect. It's perfect. I'm just congratulations on, on 
making it and doing it the right way and, and you being the lead and figuring out how to do it you you already are it's it's i'm I, this show should never go off the air this thing is just beautiful thank you you know and that's what we wanted to do we wanted to show a real family with real issues if you think i can't wait till they see the finale Oh my God, I cannot wait. I don't think they ever shot a finale like this on a comedy. That was times when we were shooting and we was writing. I would ask the, I would ask the guy who created, I was like, dude, is this a comedy or a drama? Because <laughs> in the finale, people was booing their eyeballs out. Mm-hmm. They were so touched by the moment, but it was, it was, it was, I was able to pull from it because it actually happened to me. Night, this show is 95% true to what I've been through in like each and every episode. So it came out of Rabbit, your book, the kind of. No, it came out of life too. Like but, it came uh, out of life. Yeah. So, so, some like, of so like you were saying before that Rabbit was kind of a template for it, but not really. It's you're saying it's all of it. It's stuff you talk about in stand up, but it's, it's other stuff you never even talked about before. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, other stuff I never even talk about, you know, like, uh, here you have, I have a sister on the show with the, uh, a recovering drug addict. My sister in real life, she ain't recovering, but she definitely a drug addict. <laughs> oh, I had two she sisters. Get up, she get up every Sunday and lead the quiet church. Still? I think she does. Think Depends she does. on the Saturday. Well, I wish her uh, good health. Me too. Me too. Yeah. See, to be able to laugh through this shit while it's going on, while you're living it. I lost two sisters, one to a disease and the other had mental issues and some drug stuff, but that was the time. That was the 60s. And, and it's, uh, I just, you, you, you never forget any of it, but you got to move on and some, to find the positive, to do what you do. That's why I do comedy. That's why it, it helps me. You going up, like you're about to go into Raleigh? Is that where you're going? Mm-hmm, going to Raleigh. When do you go there? Because this is... This Thursday, is, July, July 29th. I probably, by the time... Oh, you'll have July, been there. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is on uh, August 9th, whatever that Monday is. I'm right before your show airs. I'm Minnesota. I think I'm in Minnesota that week. And and to do that, all they got to do is go to mspatcomedy.com, M-S-P-A-T-comedy.com. Is that right? Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. How, how'd you come up with Ms? How'd you do that? Because sometimes that's people don't like Ms anymore. And you know, nobody likes nothing. Uh no, they don't like shit. And you know what <laughs> I was just telling my friend today? I said the guy when the, the, the trailer dropped and he was like, Oh my God, people saying ugly things. I said, dude, look at life like this. Jesus Christ walked this earth with a pair of slippers on and they killed him. <laughs> and took his shoes. So what are you complaining about? They took that man's shoes. <laughs> I said that was the only item he was missing when he was on the cross. So what are you complaining about? He couldn't even please. And he came here in peace. I'm not coming to say y'all. So what I say is fuck him. Yeah. So I came, I came up with the name Miss Pat because I was a drug dealer and I didn't want to be called rabbit. And I used to do, um, I used to work in the kids in my neighborhood would call me Miss Pat. So I was like, I need a stage name and I don't want to be called rabbit. And Patricia is too old. So the kids, my, my daughter's like, won't you say Miss Pat? That's what everybody call you in the neighborhood. So oh. I just said, my name is Miss Pat. That's 
uh, I just kept Bob. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> it works. Makes me, I'll turn my head to that word. <laughs> What you're about to hear is a paid sponsorship brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? I know a lot of people that are going through a rough time right now for all different reasons, and they don't think they can get through. I've had issues in my life where I didn't know how I was going to overcome certain obstacles. Well, BetterHelp is out there for you. And BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. It's more affordable than traditional counseling, and financial aid is available. The service is available for clients worldwide. Find the particular expertise you need online. Don't limit yourself to the counselors located near you. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp at betterhelp.com bob. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bob. BetterHelp dot com slash Bob. Thank you. My fiancé surprised me with an engagement ring from Shane Company. A simple solitaire ring with a beautiful oval diamond. I love it. I had a vision of what I wanted to do with the wedding bands to create my own look and add even more sparkle. Shane Company has so many options, so it was easy to bring it to life. I got two bands. I selected a diamond contour band to go on one side of my engagement ring and a delicate vintage band to go on the other. It's a unique ring stack and it fits my style. It's totally me. My fiancé got his wedding band at Shane Company too. I had no idea what he'd gravitate to because he never wears jewelry. He tried on lots of rings. Turns out he really liked a black tantalum band. It's masculine and unique and it suits his personality. The wedding is really soon, and I can't wait to wear my gorgeous new rings every day. Now you have a friend in the jewelry business, Shane Company and Shaneco.com. So are, you're just waiting now. Are you doing tons of press? Because this is it. This is the launch. Um, yep, this is the launch. Uh, I'm getting ready to do ton of press. Yes, I am. And I'm excited, too. You know, I can't wait to see what the world thinks of a mom that's not perfect that's not chopping vegetables you see the dad cooking all the time in this show because everybody hate my cooking um you see the dad take on household roles while a woman is out here trying to follow her dreams and you don't really see that you know usually the woman is holding down the household not me this man got it he's gonna clean he's gonna cook and he's still gonna support me 100 as i'm flying in and out of town making 50 dollars <laughs> Does she, do you plan in the, well, I don't want to give it away, but I assume in the years to come, her career does pretty well. In her career, if BT Plus give me a third or fourth season, her career would take off like my real career took off. Yeah. So this is so cool because you got a show coming out. Some people would just stay home and just be drinking champagne and tell people what to do. You are just 
doing what comics do. You're just out on tour literally right now while the thing. I got to go to work. You see this wig on my head? This shit ain't free ball. It's really eight grand. <laughs> no, it's, eight, it's about $400. Eight grand. I, don't, I ain't got no Beyonce hair now. No, ain't nobody held nobody down and cut the hair off the head. This shit came in the mail. <laughs> it looks. <laughs> How do you do that? Does it, you tell them the size? No, she just make it. It's just a, it's a lace, uh, it's a uh, closure, and she just makes it, and she glue it down to my head. See. So how long will you keep that on? You get as long as you want. No, I just put some water right here and snatch this bitch up, and I look like you while I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never heard hair called a bitch. I kind of, I'm gonna switch it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got, just take it off. It's hot. So I don't want all this on me when I'm trying to sleep at night. Right. So uh, when you have like an anniversary, do you, uh, do you get all dolled up? Do you change it out to a different uh, hair? You put change it out all the time. But anniversary, you've been with somebody that long. You ain't trying to get no excitement. You're trying to take your head to sleep. I'm 49 <laughs> years old. How old? <laughs> 49. No way. Yes, I'm 49. Oh, God in heaven. I tell people I got four kids, two abortions, and three grandkids. I'm a grown-ass woman. You have, so when you were young, did you, were you close? Forgive me for not going through rabbit fully. Oh, it's okay. Your mom, but obviously your dad was a, a real problem, right? Uh, my dad was not in my family, my, my life. My life. He, he right. and my mama divorced when I, when I was a baby, because I'm the youngest child, they divorced. So I didn't get to meet him till I was like 11. He just showed up out of nowhere. Did he just want to meet you? No, he came over that day. My mama called him over and she, she called him because she said my sister was being disrespectful, but he hadn't seen us since we were kids. And he walked in the house and he was supposed to hit my sister, but he hit me. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? And so me and my brother whooped his ass because he didn't introduce himself. And I didn't know he was supposed to be my dad. I just know this big black man just knocked the hell out of me and I need to fight back. So we beat the dog shit out of my daddy. And in, while we was beating him up, he was like, I'm your daddy. I said, well, let us know next time. I mean, he could have opened with that. <laughs> it probably would have saved him from getting his ass beat. That is so after that, Did he come back did. after that? Yes, he um we started to build a relationship. He took me to Florida to meet my aunts that I had never met. I met a grandmother that I didn't even know I had. And I remember we ride now 75 and we I think we're on our way to Florida. He said, I know you heard all the things that your mama said about me. And I said, Stop. I said, We I'm willing to start over. I don't take you for what nobody else say about you. I take you for the relationship that we build. And we built a great relationship. I actually moved him to Indianapolis. Um, he had cancer. He died. And i never forget the look on his face when he knew he was dying. Because he stayed with me for about seven years. Because I just took him in and started taking care of him like I do every damn body. And he was like, I just want to say thank you. And I said, you don't owe me nothing. I appreciate the years that, that I got to know you from 12 to now. And it was fun. You know, I was like, I don't want to hear. I don't want to talk about what my mama said about you. I want you, I want to get to know you for who you are. And I did. How did you know that at 12? I'm sorry, I cut you off. He came and you were going to say? 
Well, when he came back after after the fight, he disappeared for about a year or two, and then he came back, and I'm a drug dealer, and then you know he needed help, and I started. I bought him a car, and I just started helping him out, getting to know him. Like, and then he told me, he said, "You got a grandma," and I'm like, "I do." And he took me to Alabama. I got to meet my grandma before she passed. And then I went to go meet my aunt in Florida, which is his sister, which I still talk to almost every other day. All of these cousins I didn't know I had. And I just built a relationship with him. And I got to know a family that I didn't I didn't even know I had. And, you know, he, he passed away of, uh, uh, I forgot what type of cancer he had. But I was always there for him. I moved to me. I moved him from Atlanta. He lost his leg. So I moved him from Atlanta to Indiana. And I never did, did you I, did you find his leg at that point? <laughs> I still, you know, I just threw his leg away about a month ago. It was in my it garage. The fake leg, the 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 because the, uh, they wouldn't I don't take call it, it a the fake leg. That's not nice. The prosthetic. Yeah, they wouldn't Prestesis. take it. I, I wanted to bury him in it. And the guy was like, why would you want to bury him in it? I said, well, he said he's going to walk with Jesus, and you don't want to leave all these inches behind. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I got to know him, and I'm happy. And I just told him, I said, you don't owe me anything. I just want to thank you for coming back. And, you know, you, I enjoyed you. And, you know, I'm his youngest child, and I know he thought I was going to reject him. But you don't owe me anything. You know, I look at life like this, Bob. Everybody makes mistakes. But to me, everybody deserves a second chance, except for child molester and killers. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, simple mistakes, you know, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say the wrong shit. Mm -hmm. You know, why cancel somebody's whole life because they said something that you don't agree with? 20 years ago. Yeah. I was on a plane one day. Coming back from, I was on Southwest and I'm talking to this older white gentleman. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm such a fan. I was on, I love you on Bob and Tom, Miss Pat. And so he posted a picture of me, him. And, and people like, how can you talk to Miss Pat? She's so liberal. And he went on Facebook. He said, uh, well, she was nice to me. I just don't get the colors. So it brought me the wrong way. But, yeah. but I had to also think, they was like, he's racist. And I said, no, he's not. I said, that man's 70 some years old. This is what he used to say, and nobody corrected him. Mm-hmm. So I went to his inbox and I said, when you call me color, it hurts my feelings. I said, I would never call you whitey unless I'm on stage, but I wouldn't just identify you as whitey. And he was like, I'm so sorry, Ms. Pepper. But it's just shit. To me, that's not racism. Racist. That's correcting somebody who used to doing shit a certain type of way, and nobody has ever corrected them. It's ignorance, and it's not wanting to be able to change. It's not. Well, I I don't think he would do it again. I mean, no, you taught you teach a, a lot of people a lot of stuff. I mean, I know people, and you know people that if their dad had done to them what yours did to you, that that young girl would not want that man ever ever in her life again. And look what you did. How did you get that fire burning in you? that could forgive him and want to restart How, who influenced you? Is it, what, is there a family member? It was a third, it was a third grade, third or fourth grade teacher. I can't, her name was Miss True. And you know, she was a lady when I was, when we were so poor, I would go to school and get picked on. And she would, she would literally back when teachers could do these things, she would take me to the bathroom. She would give me a bath and change my clothes and brush my teeth and comb my hair to keep the kids from picking at me. So 
she put that fire inside of me. She told me, she said, you can be anything in the world you want to be. All you got to do is dream. And that's one of the biggest problem I've had in my relationship. My husband was like, you so spontaneous. I said, no, Miss Troop said I can be any fucking thing I want to be. And I'm 49 years old and I still quote Miss Troop. And I, she's all in the book. She got a whole chapter. And I said, when, when, when I'm down and out, I said, Miss Troop said I can do this. I don't go to nobody but Miss True because I'll never forget the days that she kept a little gym bag by her desk. And she said, just get here early. And she always had me food because she know my, my life at the house was fucked up. And she would give me a bath. She would brush my teeth. She would comb my hair. And at the end of the day, she would put me back on them clothes and she would let me go home. And the next day, she would, the clothes would come back clean. She was amazing. So, she loved so you. She, yes, she lit that fire inside of me. But she and, and she saw the fire inside of you. That's why yeah. she did that. And she, from, I'm 49, and she's always been able to keep that fire burning inside of me. So that's what inspired me. And I tell people, I say, I tell, I've always told my kids, there's not a such thing as I can. You're being lazy. Don't say I can't. Because when you say I can't, you're putting barriers up on yourself. I say, if somebody's saying no, go make sure you go all the way to that last no. Because you just don't know. You might get a yes. I mean, look at this show. It took five years. When Hulu picked up this show and shot this pilot, everybody was jumping, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was like, I'm not going to say anything until it hit the air. And when they dropped it, it didn't hurt my feeling. i never forget they dropped it Valentine's Day. And Lee Daniel called me and said, I I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I'm headed back now, sold out show. And he said, I'm so sorry Hulu didn't pick it up. He said, but I'm going to work really hard to get it picked up. And I said, you will. I said, but hey, I got 300 people out here need to laugh. I got to call you back. Exactly. You know, that's exactly what everybody should be able to say to themselves. But they don't have 300 people waiting for them. Us comics do. We're we're very, very lucky. Yes, we are. We really are. And that audience, you're on to something new, too. Because you've been funny. Okay, stand up. So... How in the hell did you, and everybody's going to ask you all the same questions, but I'm, I, you know, I, I know how we start. How the hell did you get on stage? Did you talk at a school thing first or what the hell was it? It was just me. I've always been very outspoken, saying some crazy shit and people <laughs> just laugh at me, but I never considered myself to be funny. I always considered myself to be honest and I said, what the hell is on my mind? Right. It really came from a caseworker when I, I voted for, uh, the lovely Bill Clinton, because he was the sexiest thing on the on the menu that year. <laughs> That's how I became a Democrat. I was like, "Woo, he's a cute white man. I'm vote for him." And um, uh, Bob Dole was ugly as fuck, and I couldn't do Bob Dole. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have put a blanket over his head if he was in a stroller. <laughs> and so um, he started a program called the Welfare to Work Program, and and a caseworker. I would just tell her these horrible stories to get more food stamps uh, for her to feel sorry for me. And she was black and she laughed her ass off. <laughs> and I was like, you ain't, you gonna laugh? I just told you my granddaddy hung me for stealing food stamps. And tears would be rolling out of this <laughs> black lady eyes. <laughs> Y'all got home. I'm like, yeah. And she was like, you should really st- try stand up. And I, I'm telling the you? first, uh, I think I was 20. I didn't even have no kids. No, I had my kids. I probably was 25. Wow, that's a little bit late. Yeah, it was really late. So 25, 26. I probably was 28. I don't know. 
But what, um, you, what was your job before? Well, you were a full time mom, right? Uh, no, I worked at Walmart. Um, I was headed nowhere, McDonald's, and then I ended up getting at General Motors, and my husband was there too. And General Motors started to um, come into play with. I couldn't do stand-up because I worked the night shift. And I kept telling my husband, it's something here with this stand-up. And he's like, no, you make it $30 an hour. And I'm making $30. We could really make it. I'm like, oh, this ain't me. So I quit. And mm -hmm. he lost it. And, but I just believed in myself. And he was like, nobody's going to listen to them chicken house joke. You left this good job. And I said, well, one day I'll be making more money than you. And look where we at today. And this is the husband that stayed with you all this time. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he's my husband. He followed the rules, Bob. He's not gonna go outside. He don't want to be the supervisor. He just go to work. He I'm not gonna say he's a people pleaser, but he don't break the rules. He ain't never had a traffic ticket. You know, he ain't gonna just go out and try nothing new. He don't gamble with his money. Shit, I get on my knees and shoot crap with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I love about you so much is it's it's the key to all comedy anyway. It's the truth, and it's strength, and it's having a smile on your face at the times where the world is just fucked. It's like when you look around and you make that comment right when fucking bombs are dropping around you. It's just what keeps us alive. It was comedy has saved my life because mm -hmm. I tell people all the time I could be somewhere, you know, I've been molested by my mama boyfriend. I've been let down by so many people in life. What am I going to cry for? It's so much easier to smile than have a frown on my face. Now I get crazy sometimes, but do I like to laugh? Like if you come to my house, we, we talk about each other. And if the first time you come, you're like, what's the fuck wrong with these people? Well, we talk about each other. Your fat ass over there and your bald head ass over there. But we love each other. We do. We really do. My kids, they run me out of the kitchen because they say, they say I'm the horrible fucking cook. I have a daughter who's 20-something years old. We tease her all the time about being a virgin. I'm like, you know dick is delicious. I don't know what you ain't know. <laughs> How old is she? She's 22, 23, something like that. That's the one with all the damn college education. I told her, that way you can't get no dick. You be reading too much. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she could meet a guy in the library. She ain't, she ain't going to goddamn lie <laughs> So you live in Indianapolis? Yeah, and that daughter who I just told you got in college degree, she wrote episode for you guys. Holy shit. She's funny. She could do stand-up, but she, she is me all the way. But maybe a little smarter. <laughs> she is me all the way. And she is and represented in the show. She is that young girl that you're throwing little oranges at. No, the boy. I threw the oranges at the boy. You gave the girl a shot. Oh, I, I'm giving oh, yeah, a spoiler yeah, yeah. I threw alert. It at her too. No, I watched it twice. I know it's up. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I sure did. I threw it at her too. It's yeah. So the, it's, she represents that daughter, or is she, she represents that daughter. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in but Indianapolis, that, and uh, would I be invited over? Fuck yeah, but my daughter would love you. She 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 loves sitcoms. Uh, oh would, my gosh, she she probably fall on the floor if you walked in our house. Well, I would just want to laugh with you. I just I I I need to hug you because I've been watching all things Miss Pat, and I I mean there aren't there there are people that are funny that I love that have 
gone through similar circumstances or they are ladies com comedians but i've never seen anyone like you before never it's just it's a combination of love and energy and just i mean it reminds me of of you know i i, I I'm not name dropping, but I can't help it because he's the king of all comedians. Is Richard, and I get that you know, a lot. And you do, you have to, and you know, um, and Tiffany Haddish, who I've known since she lived in her car, trying to get spots at the Laugh Factory. She wanted to be Richard, and Richard would get on stage and talk about shit. But you're the closest comedian that I've heard talk about stuff like him there's a couple of comedians uh i don't i'm trying to think of who but but that i mean if mitch hedberg had not died maybe he would have talked about being on heroin at some point but you're which usually has to come when you're in recovery not sadly being gone but you are able to richard you know raised in a whorehouse and talked about his mom and talked about all the mob people he met you're just you're just so honest it just it it fills my heart and it makes it inspires me. Well, thank you. And that's you know, at first I didn't want to be honest. I was kind of ashamed to be an eighth grade dropout. You know, with a GED, I have two kids, and then I said, "Well, what the hell?" And when I started to tell these stories, I realized it was so many people out there like me. You know, I, I never forget. I was in Chicago one time, and, and this white lady come up to me, and she had the biggest fucking diamond ring, and I know it was real. And I looked over there, and I oh, man, he had, he had an ascot in the pile. I said, "Oh my god, these white people got so much money because you know ascot represent money." <laughs> <laughs> Or it's covering up a bunch of turkey neck. <laughs> so she come up to me and she said, she whispered in my ear. She said, I too had my babies at 14. And I was like, what? Not you, bitch. And it, it, it really made me open, realize that it's, I don't have, a, it's not a black story. It's an American story yeah. because this shit happened to people, no matter what color you are, no matter what your income bracket is. You know, that's what's good about, I think, about this TV show, about this sitcom. You can come into this this family and somewhere you're going to be able to relate. Whether I remind you, your aunt, your mama, your cousin, or some, one of these family members should be able to grab you and you say, oh, my God, that remind me of this. And those are the, you know, we, we did, like I said, we did an episode on being gay, just how ignorant I was as a gay parent, because parents. You don't want your child to be gay. You don't even know what to say. I remember the first time my daughter got her heart broke. I'm like, well, what the fuck I said? What the fuck do I say to my gay daughter? Go back and get the bitch when I don't even want her to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I had to realize I, it is what makes her happy. So, you know, right. but I had to learn that because I had never seen anybody deal with a gay child before. And so, you know, like me and my daughter had a conversation one day and I was like, why you gotta be a bull diaper? And she said, first of all, you should never use the word bull diaper. And right. I said, why? She said, that's like a white person call you the N-word. I said, how you gonna compare bull diaper to N-word? She said, that's how we look at it. Mm -hmm. And I had never been told that. I'm 49, that's what I grew up saying. So with this gay child, she was able to open my eyes to so much. You know, to what, what, how they felt, what their world was. And it made me realize that, you know, you can't judge people on their sexuality. And I, and I wrote a bit one time that said, you know, one of the things I learned from being a gay parent 
is uh, one of the things I learned from being a gay parent, what a lot of time God would put shit in your life that you don't like to open your mind. Cause I hated gay women cause I've been to prison. Mm. I said, so I'm here to tell you white men, if you don't like niggas, your daughter gonna come home with a big dick nigga. Mm-hmm. And that's how it all the way, that's how it all the way works. And, that, and, they, and it's true, because I hated gay women. I could do gay men, but I could not do gay women. And my daughter came out again. I was like, I realized how stupid I was. But that's how you're open to learn. And that's how you're yes. able to let your dad back in your life. You didn't have to do yeah. any of that. But if we don't keep our minds open to letting ourselves change, we're, we're fucked as a human exactly. race. And, you know, I also did an episode on him, them, and dare her. I had never, I don't even know what they're called. I just right. know him, dad, and dad, her. So my daughter, Gariana, the youngest girl, she, she, she shows up with one of these kids at my house. And we went through this whole thing. And, and it's a funny episode, but it's such a teaching episode because it happened to me. And I'm like, him, them, dad, her, what the hell? But it is so funny. But it also, I, we did the episode. I did, I really wanted to do the episode because I wanted people to realize how people feel about titles and things and just to open their minds. Mm-hmm. It opened my fucking mind when I did this episode, when I had this whole encounter with this kid at my house and I'm not a he, I'm not a she. And I'm like, I'm looking at you. You got fucking hair on your chin. What do you mean you're not a he? <laughs> but I went through this whole thing and it was a teaching and learning moment for me. And when we, when we got picked up, I was like, that's the episode I really want to do. And my daughter wrote that episode because she brought that situation into our household and she killed it. That's so amazing. You must be so proud. I am. I try to, I tell her all the time. I say, you are really a good writer. You, you know, she knows structure. Hell, she can spell better than me, but she's (laughs) so funny. And she just, what's so crazy. She's such a daddy's girl, but I could just see us creating so much together because we we're both so funny together and she know tv but when i tell you she's watched every episode everything she can tell you what a joke was in a show uh-uh, don't do that i saw that on this show how the hell you see that on that show right she, she would tell me uh-uh, that was on family matter uh-uh, that was on this show and she don't just watch black she watched everything from movies to tv she studied tv it's in the blood it's in the blood so were you watching stuff while you were doing all this work and all the jobs that you had, McDonald's and, and the car world, auto world, were you watching all TV shows and sitcoms and stuff? No, but I, I remember one of the guys that I brought back to uh, write on my show named Tom Simmons. And when I first met him, I don't know if you ever heard of Tom Simmons, but he was playing the Uptown Comedy Club one night. And I kind of rescued him because he had a joke that offended some people. I said, come on over here. Ain't nobody going to fuck with you. I beat up everybody for you. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm an arrogant young comedian. I said, I'm going to get my own sitcom one day. And he looked at me and said, that's what everybody say. <laughs> right. <laughs> and 20 years later, and he said, I never forgot that shit. He said, "You that was the first thing out of your mind. I'm going to get my, my a sitcom one day. I believe this, Bob. When you put it out there, there's a way for it to come back. But you got to put it out there. Because yeah. when you speak it, you believe it. And you can't just say it once. You have to live it. 
you have to live it. And I always say, I'm going to get a sitcom. I'm going to get a sitcom. And when we went through three writers and I was getting discouraged, and when, when, when I got the third writer, I said, if you would just listen to me, just listen to me. I got this idea. That whole segment on the plane, when it first come on, mm-hmm. speaking to that, that's true. I did that on South Coast. I, knew I was that. literally... I blocked the seats off and I would suggest for white people because I wanted to talk about uncomfortable shit that was going on in America. And I would get a white victim. I would say, uh-uh, black people, you can't sit right here. Because I was A-plus on Southwest. And that seat was reserved for a white person, whether it was a woman or a man. As soon as I saw my victim, hey, you can sit right here with me. How you doing today? And that plane take off. So what you think about the shit that just happened? Well, we started talking. And that's how we was able to write that because I had that in me, but nobody would listen to me, but this young kid who came along and wrote the episode. And I was like, I just think this is just so unique. When that kid, now I didn't come up with the plane and all of that. We, mm-hmm. I thought he was crazy, literally. I said, nobody's gonna pay for this. And people are so blown away when they see it. They was like, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. But he really made it happen. Yeah, I'm watching it and I'm going, okay, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen this yet. I've seen things like it, but this is like Norman Lear said, it's what he couldn't do back then. It's really, um, it's, you're a, a gift. Listen closely. I might just know what you're looking for. Maybe it's a little bit more excitement in your life. A jolt to the system to get the blood pumping again. Just the smallest, tiniest taste. A little something to dilate the pupils. Do allow me to welcome you to the Horror Hill. A little getaway I know about. A place with scenic overlooks and fresh terror on tap chill even the most discerning connoisseurs of the macabre to the bone. Join me each week to get all of the ghastly, gory, and grotesque stories that I've handpicked from the works of previously published and indie authors by subscribing to Horror Hill on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to get your horror fix. My name is Jason Hill, and you can take my word for it. Oh, then remember, it's only a story, right? And you're still doing your podcast, right? Oh, yeah. The Pat Down with Miss Pat. I have a uh, co-host, Chris Spangler and Dion Carey. And um, I love this story about us because I first brought Chris on. And at the time, Chris and Dion did not like each other. Chris is a big libertarian and Dion is a, a Democrat that don't vote. And they, they wires was twisted. So Dion would say, oh, Chris is racist. And I was like, no, he's not. And then Chris was like, Dion is crazy. So my whole thing was to bring these two people who had a different thought on America together and put them slap map in the middle of me and we have conversation. And it works, Bob. It works. You know, Chris is a diehard uh, liberal and Dion at one point thought he was going to kill Chris and we never leave my house with saying, you know what? I love you. I love you. 
because Chris grew up in, in, in where I live at, Plainfield, Indiana, never had a black friend and know nothing about black America. And we just started having these uncomfortable conversations, which I think America should have, and that's how we heal. And yeah. we was able to create something that people really love. And it's on, is it once a week or do you do it every other day or something? Uh, it comes on, it comes out every Tuesday. Got it. But every we Tuesday. laugh, we talk about serious stuff, but we talk about a bunch of crazy stuff too. We like to laugh. What's your, do you go like a couple hours sometimes or you keep it to an hour? It was supposed to be 30 minutes, but child, you get me in out of talking about panty liners and Chick-fil-A and Disney. We might be two hours deep. <laughs> <laughs> And I am a Disney freak. <laughs> are, are, so you know every Disney thing? No, I love Disney. I just left uh, the theme parks. I love going on Disney. Cruise, Me too. Disney park. I just did the VIP package. You can't do You cannot do Universal and Disney without the VIP package. No, you. Oh have my to. God! Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It's. Uh, did you go to the new Star Wars thing? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, we went there. We did. We we, we went there. Do you like it, or is it? Or are you a Star Wars person? Uh, no, I ain't Star Wars. Epcot. Uh, they, uh, Disney Disneyland has it as well. They got the whole yeah. thing. We didn't see. I didn't do. We we skipped Epcot because we got rained out. So oh. I didn't see Star Wars. We did. We did Harry Potter. But we're going back next year. I already got my reservation. <laughs> <laughs> How many people do you bring? Do you bring a whole, the whole all of them? The it whole was family. Six of us. It was twenty six of That's us. That's so great. I don't really have a family. So I have really good friends who supported me over the years. I really taken, uh, well, I don't have a sister. I have really good friends that I just call my sisters and really good guy friends in my life. So I adopted my damn near my whole family. So it was, I take their family and combine it with my immediately family, my husband and kids. It was 26 of us. So I just planned out the next year and I plan everything, t-shirts, ears, everything. Uh, it's 65 of us going next year. Holy shit. To Epcot. No, we're going to Magic Kingdom, uh, Epcot, Universal, and uh, Animal Kingdom. Oh, my God. Is that like two weeks? No, we're going to do seven days. Holy shit. That's a lot. So you're going to be, your feet are going to hurt. Yeah. No, well, we got to have a VIP pass. So we'll be done by two o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> And then you all go out to dinner and then do you, do you, um, what's your thing that relaxes you at the end of a show? Do you, do you, do you eat? Do you drink? Do you, have you had drink. habits? You don't drink. That's what I was thinking. I don't, I don't drink or smoke. You know, did you, come did home, you ever? Mm -mm. My mama was an alcoholic. And so, and she watched a lot of the young and the wrestlers when I was growing up. And she would smoke cigarettes like a cowboy, like a man. And, and everybody, that's when everybody, mama was putting the tips on the cigarette, trying to be cute back in the day, right. smoking the soap opera. And I was like, she do everything so manly. And I was like, I'm not going to do anything she do. So I do curse like her, but I don't drink. I don't do, I, I don't never done drugs. I just, that just wasn't my lane. I, I didn't want to do anything like those people did. But you sold them at, at that I time. I did sell drugs. And it was to survive, but I did sell drugs. Do you talk about and don't say let's not talk about it, Bob? If you'd rather not, but the the no, you you, you went to jail, so you went to prison. Mm -hmm. You went to prison and you did a felony you, for trafficking drugs. Yeah, at uh, eighteen. Wow.
So yeah. at that point, did you feel, were there other people arrested at the same time? Uh, I had a cousin that went to jail and did some time uh, for hiding some drugs that was mine. She went to juvenile. And, um, but that was, I, the hardest thing for me about that, Bob, is I miss kindergarten with my daughter. Oh. I, I can never get that back. And so, and I remember talking when I get out of jail, when I got out, and I used to talk to her. She would never have a conversation with me. She, this is my oldest daughter. She would only write it on the paper. Why do you have to sell drugs? It's hurt people. And so she didn't understand that her mom was only 15 or 16 years old. And there was really no way other, other way to take care of her. And I remember her coming to me and she said, well, I want to transfer from my school because you sell drugs in front of my school. And so she wrote this down. So me being the young dummy I am, I wrote back, uh, I was here before the drug free school zone size went up. So we're going to have to find you another school. <laughs> <laughs> I transfer her ass the next week. I said, I'm not giving up my trap for your ass. <laughs> Did she laugh? She do now. She because she remember everything. Right. She was there when I got shot in the titty. She was there. She was. I was in a. I was in a gambling. <laughs> I was in a house one night gambling, and everybody started shooting. She just took off down the street with her brother, and we had to get in the car to go get her ass. She remember a lot of things, but you know, at the time she didn't realize her mother was that young. Right. Right. And then when I met my husband. When she was like in the first grade, they had such a good bond. And, you know, it's, I always say he saved our life and our relationship because she finally felt stable because we moved all the time. I was always fighting with her daddy. And, you know, he gave her something that I couldn't, that I wasn't giving her a father figure stability. He gave it to all of us. And that's when, that's when we all started to heal. Right. Well, you've, You've healed so beautifully. And look how many people you brought along and helped. And then you do it on stage. You get to give it, and you're going to do it in this show. There's a thing that's missing for me because stand-ups are very unique. And I feel, I was just saying this the other night to somebody, and I hadn't seen him in a while, um, Eric Griffin. Do you know Eric? Mm-hmm. He's a sweetheart. And I had him in my, I was just standing next to him when I was looking through my comedy notes I was doing this benefit for the veterans with Bill Burr, and I looked through my notes, and it says Eric Griffin in the middle of my notes. And I had written his name down because somebody was telling me about him. And I and it was from like a year ago. And he we were both like, this is fucking weird. And and but we're all related. I feel like there's something about comedians that breaks all barriers more than a lot of other things, I think. You know, I think you you're right, because and no matter who you are, it, like I say, you might have, you probably didn't go through the struggle, but you can understand the struggle. Or you probably know somebody here who went through it. I remember when I first got the interview with Joe Rogan, I was, it's hard to intimidate me, but I was kind of scared because yeah. they say Joe Rogan, you know, I had read this fake blog where he had choked out a, a mountain lion. So I was yeah. like, this motherfucker crazy if he talk, you know, choked out a mountain lion. You should see him in the sauna on Instagram. That's, I think that's scarier. Plunge no, the cold plunge. I, I could not get up the nerve to ask him on the first few trials. I think I asked him was it one interview. Did you really choke out that mountain line? He fucking fell out laughing. But you know, which I thought I couldn't communicate with, which I thought 
was just way smarter than me. And I walk in, I sit down, and I feel like I'm just talking to a cousin, yep. a family member. That's how he made me feel. And, that and made me you realize- had him crying like I've never seen anybody. He laughed so hard, <laughs> hard, hard. I'm sorry. It made you realize what? I po- it just made me realize that we're all, we really are all connected. You know, yeah. it's because he's from a different walk of life. He, he understand me as a comedian. You know, he understand where I come from. He's not, he wasn't a closed minded person, mm-hmm. which I didn't know what to expect the first time. Everybody, oh, Joe Rogan. I'm like, the fear factor, man. And then I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him and I'm running my mouth. I just feel like I'm talking to a good friend or, or relatives or something. So we right. all, all kind of connected. Yeah. So you're 28 or whatever age you start doing stand up. You, when did it catch for you? When did you start? How did you get booked? You just, they saw that you were a headliner right away. Cause I can't see you opening for a long time. Cause you're such a force. Um, well, I did. I opened for Cad. I opened for RNSJ. I opened for D-Ray Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up getting a manager and uh, Rowwood Jr. I'm quite sure you know Rowwood Jr. Yep. He helped me out a lot. He helped me get a manager. And that manager started to help me do things. And just so happened the podcast worlds were taking off. You know, Mark Marin uh, was like, everybody wanted to be on Mark Marin or Joe Rogan. Those are two biggest podcasts. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I couldn't book neither one because nobody knew who I was. So Ari Shafir, I started doing, I started doing a bunch of small and then worked my way up through Burt Kreischer, uh, Tom Segura, Ari Shafir. And I, I ended up doing Ari Shafir's show. This is not happening for Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. And I remember them saying, Miss Pat, we just going to put you on the online. So you won't be able to be on the TV version. And I was so mad, Bob. And I said, yeah. you motherfuckers going to put me on this TV show. And so, but I didn't say that out loud. I said, oh, it's okay. And, you know, I was like, but the internet lasts forever. I said, bitch, this TV show going to last forever too. You know, that's what I'm saying to myself. Yeah. And just so happening that day, I had did Mark Marin and I taped with Joe Rogan. I don't know how the fuck it happened. We all taped together and I was able to get on both of those podcasts. And after I did Mark Marin's and Joe, I had seven, after I did Mark Marin, I had seven studio visits to create a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the book came along and I was like, is this shit real? Y'all really gonna pay me for this shit? Mm-hmm. I can talk shit anyway. And I just started to tell stories and, you know, and Fox, Fox hooked it. Fox gave me a deal. What was so great about Fox? The, the thing was dropped three times and they picked it up every time. So I had three deals over at Fox. And I know I'm blessed and lucky because a lot of people don't get that many chance with the same project. Yeah. Well, this project is so organic. You can't say no to this project. You just... And I guess being on Mark and Joe lets people see who you are. And that's what explodes through your, if you're listening or if you're watching, it just, it blows up because you're, I mean, it's, you're undeniable. So they have to pick, this show's going to, this show ain't going nowhere. This shows you, you better love it because it's going to keep going. Thank you. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's it's really, I hope they pick it up for more, but streamers, they love the 10 number. But Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, BET, if you can hear this interview, we need 20 so I can go tour while you show these 20 episodes, okay? <laughs> I think 20 is a good number for you because that's traditional sitcom. And once you get moving, 
They might do it in, they could do the double year release. They could do the 20 and then just, they might try to call it a second season, but I don't, maybe it's, they'll do season. Eh, they would call it a second season is what they would do. Well, good. Then you'll get to renegotiation quicker. <laughs> so um, you just you started, know. you just started, like, what was your favorite? Do you have any stand-up gigs that like stand out as a definable moment that you went, holy shit, this is the best, one of the best things that ever happened? Um, when well, I, I tell you, when I went to go do, when Cat William called me, and I was a fan of Cat William, but I wasn't, I really wasn't a fan that bought tickets. I just liked, you know, like who, who he was, and I watched his stand-up on TV, and he called and he booked me to go on tour with him, and I was like, Okay, he smoked weed. I don't know his audience really. I just think he's funny. Right. And I never forget we was in uh, the first night I was booked with. We I walk out there, and we on stage. I'm on stage. It's like fifty thousand people, and it probably was eighty percent white. White people like can't we? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember standing on that stage, and this is what I said about the energy from all those people. We was at the KFC Center, and I was like, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. And I never forgot how that feel. And I'm hoping one day with my stand-up, I can feel that same energy I felt the day I opened for Cat Williams for them 15 minutes. The energy, I mean, it was like, it was electrified. I guarantee and- it will. I guarantee you will. I'm 100% positive. It's, it's, you're going to be doing the garden. You're going to be doing... That center, KFC, you're going to be doing, I mean, you just do what you're doing. You're, you're, you, it all happened organically. It just happened. There ain't a lot of you out there. You know, you're needed. You're so fucking funny. To be able to tell tragedy with a smile on your face, I almost don't need a joke. The joke is that your storytelling is so hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I just... I just want people to be happy. I want people to know, like I said earlier, it, it, find, find the darkest shit and laugh at it. I mean, you got control of it. I try, I think every day of some of the most fucked up things that ever happened to me. And if I can turn it funny, I would turn it funny. And this, I was just thinking, my mama boyfriend molested me a lot when I was a kid. And that's and, uh, hard to find humor. That is. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to tell you, I'm making this bit. I'm just going to tell you a little bit of it. And you know, I go and I visit my mama grave one day and I look over and this fucker buried himself next to my mama. And I'm like, well, damn, you really don't want me to tell on you, don't. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's a true story. This fucker is buried next to my mama. I guess he is in the ground. Don't listen to shit they say in here today. Telling, they telling lies on me. He was determined not to be known as a child molester. That he bought the grave next to my fucking mama. And he will be there for the rest of his life. And I ain't going to see now one of the ears no more. No. And then sometimes uh, when they cemeteries find out family members are there, they come after you to buy some real estate. And <laughs> you just tell them to put a couple X's on either side of those two graves. I'm gonna, you know what? My father's buried in Indiana. I'm going to go and dig him up and bury him right next to them so they can have a good old <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Because <laughs> my daddy told me don't leave him in Indianapolis. He said, I said, why you don't want to be buried in there? It's too fucking cold up here. I'm like, you know you're not going to feel it, right? 
<laughs> it's so funny that people think when they're dead in the ground that they're still going on. Yeah, I mean, I be telling my kids, don't bury me. Put me in one of them mausoleum things. I'm claustrophobic. I don't want to be that for a right. I want to see what the fuck is going on out here. <laughs> I want to be shot out of a cannon. <laughs> really? I don't know where. Maybe it's... In, I don't know what... I, I guess I'll be buried. I don't, I don't think about it. I'm 65. That's the last thing I'm thinking about. I got so much living to do. That's right. And that's what I was telling my kids the other day. I said, I'm 49. I got a lot of shit to do. I'm going to buy this. I'm going on vacation. I'm going to enjoy my life. And I'm oh, going to yeah. stay with your face. Fuck y'all, children. You're absolutely right. You know what? It's so funny. Some people go, well, oh, he's showing off and stuff. Just watch Kevin Hart's Instagram. It's like, <laughs> that is, if, if that's how you can roll and that's what you do and you work so hard, you vacation hard, you enjoy your time away you enjoy your family you enjoy your work and then well there's he's got 400 shows you know he's do you have that do you want to do a whole thing where you got a whole production studio type of thing or are you just taking it a day at a time i do i, I really do I, I i don't like to follow so I would love to be put in movies and stuff, but I, I'm such a creative type person. Mm -hmm. I want to create my own shit. I want to leave a real legacy. It's not about, it's not about a bunch of items, that, things that I was handed. I want you to say Miss Pat created this. Miss Pat created the Miss Pat show. Miss Pat wrote this movie. Miss Pat did this. You know, that's what I want. You know, I also want people to put me in shit, but I also want to create a whole, I got so, I mean, as a, as a creator like yourself, do you ever just wake up in the middle of the night? Oh my God, I need to write this down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do, do it all, all every day. I'm doing it all day and all night. It goes yeah. in. It doesn't stop. The mind don't stop. It doesn't stop. And you know, like I'm working on three, I'm working with three and four big producers and, you know, just creators now. Mm -hmm. And they, they just, they starting to call because I wake up in the middle of the night and I say, I call my manager. I said, I got this idea for this movie. And they was like, I just, I can't say what I just did, but I woke up one day and I said, I have told y'all I did this. And he was like, we can sell that. I said, stop lying. And we sold it. Congrats. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, I thought y'all were bullshit. So time I wake up and I just say, hey, can y'all sell this idea right there? I, like, I think you own something. Bad. I told them, I said, they would sell shit if I would bring it to them on a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> wait till the show comes out. But they've all seen the pilot, too. That's what's going on, too. Does that yeah. seem to be all in synchronicity with that? Is that what's going on? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You yeah. want to write a movie with your daughter? I do. Actually, actually, we're working on something now. We there had you go. the same thought one day. And I was like, I think I got something. And, and we we started talking. And yeah, we're working on something now. That's that that's the one. I'm not saying it's the one, but I'm saying that's that's going to be real special. Real special. Yeah. And my other daughter, she did the makeup on my show. So it was it was fun to see how many people was employed by the Miss Pat show. That's what was really touching to me. You know, not about who's first on the call sheet or my name all around the building. To look around and see all of these people who's making it happen for the Miss Pat show. Just a little girl from the West End of Atlanta, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm back here shooting a sitcom. It was really touching for me. That was touching for me. You're, I'm, I, I hate to say this. I know you're married. I'm married, but I've fallen in love with you. Thank you. 
<laughs> and I've been in love with you. Oh. <laughs> when you when you were such a clean daddy on the show, and when you started touring and you was dirty, I was like, oh, he cursed. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy because you look so clean cut on the show. I am. I'm you both. Know? I'm yeah, both. But, I'm at yeah, home now. You, I got look at me. I got I got a, a dust rag to clean my glasses. So I have, <laughs> and I like to hug. So I'm like, well, COVID's not a good time to like to hug. But, you know, I got that. I'm an actor, so I'm able to do those things. But I And also, I appreciate that. You see, to, that stand-up was real. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, it's real. It's, yeah, I know. I, know. I went I through like, some fucked up times. <laughs> I went through some times where I should have kept my mouth shut, you know? Now I would not say some of that shit. I'm honored you wanted to do this podcast. Thank you. I'm honored that you asked me, Bob, anytime, anytime. How about tomorrow? Uh, I ain't doing shit tomorrow. <laughs> Did you ever want to live in L.A. or New York, or do you love your life where it is? Uh, nah, I never wanted to live in L.A. or New York. Uh, first of all, we eat too much to live in L.A. You're not going to make us spring chickens, okay? Uh, <laughs> Um, what kept you from wanted, moving to LA? We eat too much. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, have we food here. Food. Yeah, lettuce, tomatoes, and vitamins, <laughs> and track and field. Uh, nah. In Indianapolis, I'm a nine. In Atlanta, I'm a seven and a half, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to be an eight, so all these fake ass booties came along, and everybody got a drumstick ass. Now I'm a seven and a half. But, and um, I was listening to the Joe Rogan thing about the implants in people's asses and stuff i mean why do people need that i don't know why people need big asses i've had big asses my whole life like i told you we just put we just put uh uh fucking crisco oil or grease the butter on our ass but i don't know why people do the shit they do everybody want to be beautiful but everybody want to look just like bob it, whatever happened to the good old woman with the scratch mark or with the the sack on top of her vagina that you had to fold back <laughs> like a sardine can to get they don't want us no more <laughs> is that is that a uh, part of my my grammar but is that uh fupa is that what that is i guess it's fupa <laughs> i don't know what that don't sound nice i don't sound i don't when it comes out of me it doesn't sound good well, everybody want, you know, they want, they, they everybody want their third grade bodies. So, or their eighth grade bodies. You know, I've had titties since the third grade, but, you know, nobody wants to have scratch marks anymore. You know, I guess plastic surgery have come affordable. Even black women are getting implants in their lips. I'm like, God, we was born with lips. Why are you making them bigger? But they do. Yeah. I don't so, understand it. I would have gotten a penis extension, but then I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast because I've been so far from my desk. <laughs> I, got, I don't think so. Well, I don't. You have some funny dick jokes in your in the pilot. Holy shit! I can't wait to see this whole season. <laughs> I just can't congratulate you enough. You you got you did what took five years, and you got the top level people that exist. I mean. Lee Daniels and Debbie Allen directing and Brian Grazer and so many. Ron good. Howard is his company. Ron Howard Imagine. Yeah. Is Ron part of the uh, of the uh, reading of all the scripts and everything? No, I'm quite sure they report back to him. I met him a couple of times. Such a nice guy. Sweetheart. But mostly Brian Grazer. He's he's hilarious and he's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy for you and I'm looking forward to meeting you. <laughs> 
I'm looking forward to meeting you too. It's going to be fun. Um, and I'm, I know we know a lot of the same people, so uh, who knows? If you ever want a, a, a fourth on your podcast, give me a holler. I will, I do you, promise Do you bring you. guests in, or is it usually just the three of you going at it? Well, usually just the three, but we're starting to. We started to do, like, talk to people and stuff. Only one we had was Howie Mandel. Right. So funny. Oh, he's so a funny. sweetheart. He's, he I was like, a prophet. He, he knew about cleanliness before any of this shit happened. He sure did. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just Howie Mandel so far. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely I, I'm definitely gonna call you up to do it since I've done yours. I would love it, and Howie's a dear friend, so I'd I'd be like him, but probably a little less Jewish. <laughs> I was persecuted as a Jewish kid. That was my thing. I, I lived in Norfolk, Virginia, and people were. I had I had my own taste of what racism feels like, but it's no one knows what it's like to be in another person's skin. You just they don't, don't. no. That's why I, you need to be nice to everybody. I, th- I think that's what we're supposed to do. Be safe traveling and lots of good health and success. And I, I, again, BET plus the Ms. Pat show. I cannot wait. I might try to, I'll do my showbiz finagling and get the whole season. I'm, oh, I, thank you. I'm in love. I'm in love with this show. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. You're amazing. Me too. Have a great, great day. You too, baby. Thank you. That's Ms. Pat. And uh, I don't know. I, I fell in love with her. But she says she's always been in love with me. I'll, I'll take it. Um, she's got so much stuff you want to catch up on. And it, it's not like she's discovered overnight. This is a woman who's got life history. And she is a, a, an incredibly funny stand-up. Um, and just really special. And this show... It comes out just in a few days, uh, which is August 12th on BET Plus streaming. You've got to see, you have to see this show. I'm going to watch every episode. It's, it does say certified grown-ass comedy, which is hilarious to me. That's the rating of this podcast as well, although it might be too late to tell people that listen now. But it's a, it's a very special show, August 12th, streaming exclusively on BET. And you got to listen to her, The Pat Down podcast which is on comes out every tuesday and um she's got her book which i think i think you want to get it uh it's rabbit it's easy to get it uh it's everywhere um and it's the winner of course of the naacp award for outstanding literary work and it tells you of her life and her history and go to mspatcomedy.com that's m-s-p-a-t comedy.com and you can catch her tour and see her live she is one special person and funny as shit. So um, that's another episode of this one. Uh, Bob Saget's here for you. And I'm sending you guys a lot of good health stuff right now. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Uh, if you believe in vaccinating, uh, if you don't, get vaccinated anyway. Maybe maybe somebody that you love, that'd be a good time to use a roofie that won't vaccinate. Just knock them out and just inject them. And they'll go, why do I have this cold today? Then go, oh, it'll be gone tomorrow. Now, that's a joke. So I don't want to get that shit started, but I'm a vaccine kind of guy. I love it. Oh, it's Visine. I'm sorry. It's when my eyes aren't clear. I'm anti, I'm an anti-Visiner. I want my eyes to be bloodshot. Anyway, you guys be safe. You know, you can rate, review, subscribe, leave comments, all that stuff. 
And uh, you can also follow it if that's how you're listening to it. Or you can go to the YouTube page, which has no followers, but you can see the video. Who doesn't want to watch a two-shot on Zoom? You just go to YouTube.com slash Bob Saget. Sending you guys uh, love, because what the hell? Why not? World's upside down. Let's, uh, let's try to straighten it out a little bit. So I'm sending you lots of love and lots of good help. All right. Talk to you next time. Unexpected trouble? CashNet USA can take the stress out of borrowing emergency funds. Our fast, secure application process makes it easy to apply online 24-7. Plus, CashNet USA offers same-day funding if approved before 10.30 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Additional terms may apply. Visit CashNetUSA.com or tap the banner to apply today.